Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. As your children get older, they become more opinionated. And so their decisions about what they're doing, the conversation becomes driven, for better or worse, by what their friends are doing or what they're interested in. And so it makes sense that the height of online parenting usage would be in younger or newer parents when they're trying to figure it all out, they're speaking for their children more often than not, they're making those decisions. But I know now, like with my 10-year-old son, for the most part, within reason, some of it's up to him. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast, a show all about relationships, relationships to our family, our community, our money, each other, everything in between. It's love and money. This is Building Us. Hey, I'm Dr. Matt Morris, couples therapist and family counselor, joined as always by certified financial planner and many other things. My co-host, Eric Garcia. How's it going, Eric? It is going well, man. Building Us is real life. This is real life. This, this is, is real li- life. We have a doc, uh, a barking dog in the in the background. <laughs> It's our guest um, for today. We have guests who are certified working moms extraordinaire and, and life bosses. Um, life bosses. So I'm excited about this episode. What's a life boss? It's a person who is like bossing life right now. They're doing uh, great. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. They're like, <laughs> they're, they're, they're taking control, taking agency over their life, over their business, over their family and just and crushing it. They're, they're doing as much dictating as dictating to, or being awesome. dictated to. Yeah, they're, they're in charge. In charge. In charge. Well, who are our guests, Matt? Why don't you kick us off, man? Yeah, we're great grateful that you guys are with us this uh, morning. Want to just briefly introdu- introduce you and then have you introduce yourselves. Um, with us today are the founders and owners of the New Orleans Moms blog, neworleansmom.com. Ashley Angelico and Elizabeth Schmeling. Welcome to you ladies. Thanks for being with us. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having us. Tell tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into more of your background. You want me to take that one, Elizabeth? Yeah, you go first. All right. <laughs> we'll go alphabetical. Uh, Ashley, sounds good. Go I'm used to that. Um, so New Orleans Mom is an online parenting website and we founded it in 2012 almost nine years ago coming this august will be nine and essentially our mission and goal is to provide resources and information for people that are either actively parenting in new orleans so people who live here full-time or people who may be visiting to the area and oftentimes are looking to relocate here so we're just trying to make parenting a little bit easier and, um, you know, more fun in this city. And we do that through our online content, our social media channels. Pre-COVID, we had events in person. <laughs> um, and so so that's, that's what we're all about, is making life easier for moms and dads and their children here in the city. Parent, I love that. Parenting is hard enough. And, and so I love that you're trying to make it a little smoother and easier for us. Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm Elizabeth Schmeling. I am married and I have one daughter who will be 10 this summer. Um, I live on the North Shore. Um, I worked in corporate accounting for 15 years and now this is my full-time job, passion. So this is what we do all day, every day. So like ambassadors, <laughs> you're like ambassadors for New Orleans. It, it, I'm hearing you talk about that because um, parenting, just you hear so many horror stories of families moving to New Orleans or, or families in New Orleans, just kind of struggling for not just schools, but what do we do with our, with our families? What do we do with our kids? You know, when I travel on conventions and everyone's like, Oh, you're from New Orleans. How do you raise a family in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Like, my gosh. Um, and here y'all are 
ambassadors for families and for building relationships really within the family. And that, that's really cool. And I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Now, both of you have a background in the corporate world. Elizabeth, you were corporate accounting. And, and Ashley, I think I read in your bio, you were in uh, investment banking. Yep. So I started my career in finance, of all things. And I did work at a publicly traded investment bank for just over three years. And then a change in my husband's employment actually took us actually, thankfully, <laughs> away from that city. So I had to switch gears. And I am extremely grateful that that happened because I learned very early on that the investment banking lifestyle was not necessarily for me. But when you're young and making a good paycheck and doing well, it's very hard to walk mm. away from that. So I had a situation where I was sort of forced mm. into a change, but yeah. wanted to change. Now that I'm older, <laughs> I think I have the wisdom that I would have made that change on my own sooner. But um, it, my, my hand kind of had to be forced yeah. back then. So I changed into recruiting and marketing. Um, and actually, when we moved back to New Orleans, I worked for a long time in public education here. And during that time period is when I met Elizabeth. And we started what is now New Orleans Mom. Um, but yes, we were both working full time in pretty corporate positions when we started the site. And neither of us really intended for this to become our full time job. But here we are. <laughs> so that was not necessarily the plan. But I am definitely, especially now that my children are older, very grateful that it's turned out that way. Elizabeth, what's um, what's maybe like the, the top transferable skill that you brought from corporate accounting to the New Orleans mom blog? Besides, besides bookkeeping. Yeah, <laughs> besides doing the books. Like accounting? I was like, have <laughs> bad skills with accounting, guys. Well, I think and subtract. They're very helpful. We do have um, a team of writers. Um, I think we're up to 45 team members right now. Wow. And that includes wow. executive team members who have helped plan events pre-COVID. And um, and then our writer, contributing writers who write, we publish organic content five to seven days a week. And so they're from the West Bank to Slaudel. We even had a writer from Homa at one point, um, Ponchtula. So it covers the greater New Orleans area. And like Ashley had mentioned earlier, one of the things that I mainly focus on is managing the writers and the content. So I think that mm having that, um, I'm going to use discipline for lack of a better word to keep kind of yeah. everything in order, keep it. Um, I'm also a mm. type, you know, textbook type one on the Enneagram. So I like order and everything planned out to a T. And I think that, that you're one, I am you're a one. one. <laughs> yes. What's your wing Two. I have a very strong two, okay. two wing. <laughs> okay. We did it. We did an Enneagram episode we did. last year. And I don't, I didn't know anything about it and still don't know anything about it. So it's, it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a seven. I don't know what that means. I'm a seven <laughs> with a six wing. I just say like the numbers. So one with a two. It can be helpful. Yeah. It's definitely helpful, especially working with other people and knowing how to work well with them. Yeah. Work and personal relationships as well. But yeah, I think that that's probably what I brought over to the, like has really helped me thrive in this type of industry now. I appreciate ones, by the way. I'm a three, and I appreciate ones. Ashley, wouldn't I, what? I'm a three. three? <laughs> I'm a three. Oh, man. <laughs> we have found out that threes and ones actually work extremely well together. Um, yeah, because because so, we we come up with all these great ideas. We want to achieve all this stuff, and we need somebody <laughs> to come behind us and actually do it. Right? Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> there are some days where I'll be sending emails and Elizabeth's like, I'm going to need you to slow down right now. <laughs> I know. It really, yeah. all joking aside though, the Enneagram does provide very good insight into working with other humans. We had our entire team yeah. mm -hmm. take it for our retreat. Um, I guess that was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And at first it's funny because our team members and they're all independent contractors and they're, you know, paid individuals that help us do a number of things they didn't roll their eyes at us but i could tell they were sort of like why are y'all making us take this hokey personality test like what in the world are we gonna get from this and but they saw it through and we had a really enlightening conversation about the test and what it means and how it influences each other or people and how they work together 
And ever since then, pretty much our entire team has adopted the language. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because people will say things like, okay, I know this is the two in me coming out, but have we mm -hmm. thought about, and it, I'm always encouraging people to take it with individuals around them that are important to them yeah. because yeah. it gives you a common language to not be frustrated with other people for how they're acting when they're really just wired that way. Yeah. And I think what's interesting, what I appreciate about it, we're talking about this idea of transferable skills. Like in the corporate world, there's this idea mm -hmm. of like, what's your strength? We mm -hmm. want to double down on our strength. And what I like about the Enneagram, uh, yeah, it does look at your tendencies, um, but it also looks at the negative side. Um, so you become more aware, you become more aware of maybe what's a, an obstacle to, to relating to others or an obstacle to, um, being successful. And I, I appreciate that. It's, it seems more whole and complete than most of the, um, personality. Again, it's a tool. These are all tools to help us relate mm -hmm. to others, mm -hmm. be more effective, work closely with others. Matt, you and I, I won't say the name, but we work closely with someone who's a one and I'm glad that she's a one. Because mm. she is very prolific and and just gets things done. Get, and yeah, gets it done. Super helpful to be in one. I like so, that too. I, I just a follow up on this. I um, I I'm imagining that Ashley, you and Elizabeth work together closely, regular regularly, and all relationships involve some level of tension and conflict at times. And how have you managed that? And it sounds like the Enneagram um, framework is, has been helpful for that. So yes, it's interesting you asked that because I've thought about this a number of times over the years because when Elizabeth and I started New Orleans Mom, it's not like we knew each other particularly well. Mm. So you think about it in hindsight, like I'm gonna start a business with somebody I don't know that well and now it's, I mean, it's 24 seven. Yes, we work together all the time, all day every day, even if we're physically not together. Um, and so <laughs> I jokingly say that, I mean, you're basically marrying the person if you yeah. start a business. So I've had many people ask me about starting businesses and should I have a partner, should I not? And I'm like, okay, well look, I'm nine years in and I just happened to make like a really good choice, <laughs> but I didn't know I was making that choice at the time. Which is I'm often, sure I, yeah, that's often what I was happens just gonna say, I don't know that Elizabeth would say, is, yes, except for in marriage, you would theoretically date the person, maybe do person. some things together first. Like Elizabeth and I really didn't necessarily do that, which sounds crazy to people when we tell them, but that is true. And so it's interesting because it has worked out and it does work very well. But for people that are thinking about starting a business, I do now recommend that to them. I'm like, okay, well, you have to understand like your lives are gonna become intertwined. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to talk about money. You're going to have to talk about like what's comfortable for you and a number of different things. And so it is like marrying somebody and I'm not being funny when I say that, um, but, but there are tools, like you said, Eric, like I think the Enneagram was immensely helpful. Um, we had taken some other tools in the past at our retreats. So I think going back to the transferable skills, if you've worked in a corporate setting and been exposed to the idea of working with other people and mm -hmm. your strengths and transparency and all of that, it's really, really helpful because we've always, I mean, we are friends now too, but I think we also have a very clear professional and personal like line in the sand. So that's very helpful. Like there's business, and then there's personal. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think that that's helpful to keep in mind for people as well. That like when you're in a workplace setting, I think we both are very corporate for lack of a better word. So it, we joke a lot because we both worked in accounting and finance where you're often the only female or one of few females. So that to us is not uncomfortable to be transparent and direct communicators day to day. But I think I can imagine a world where that would feel very uncomfortable to some people. See, I went, yeah, I went from being the only females in the industry to like, I'm just going to create a business that's just nothing but females. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking about you don't you don't date your business partner. I had a podcast before Matt and I launched Building Us Podcast, and I had him on a couple times. I guess it was like I guess it was like I was dating him to see if I wanted to launch a, if we wanted to launch a, a podcast together. 
Elizabeth, as Ashley is just kind of talking about this idea of building a business, it's 24-7. How, and, and you know, Matt called y'all life bosses. How do you balance like your bossing life? You're building this business. You've got a business partner. You have a family. How do you balance all that? I will say now in present day, it's a little easier. I have my daughters in school from eight to three. So I'm able to focus on the business during those hours when she's at school. And then I'm able to take off, so to speak, when she gets home, help with homework and studying, get dinner together. And then um, without having events at the moment, very rarely do we have to jump online at night. Um, Now, when the business first started, I was working full time. So there was a lot of early mornings, lunchtime, late nights. But I think that as we've as I've grown through business ownership, it's also been easier to figure out and to set um. I guess, firm boundaries for myself so that I don't stress out or stress my family out. Um, I heard a podcast actually when I first left my full-time job and it said, um, owning a business, yes, it's more flexible, which is wonderful, especially having children and taking them to school and extracurriculars, but it's also more demanding. So just being able to set those boundaries and it's some days are a a big fail. Like I'm pulling my hair out, trying to finish emails, mm-hmm. sending contracts and helping study for science at the same time. And it just doesn't work mm-hmm. well. But for the most part, I think it's just figuring out what works best for our family and our household, which is different from Ashley and her family, but keeping that communication open to um, letting her know like, Hey, I'm not going to be online this evening because we have softball or something like that, but just yeah. communication and knowing not in with my husband as well. So that they look, I might have to work late tonight. Can you handle the homework or something like that? Um, and just to yeah, really I think, focus. Uh, with a lot, I find with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, it's this idea of like, Hey, flexibility, I'm going to own my own business and I'm in mm-hmm. have flexibility. Yeah. Kind of, if you build it right, you know, when, when we've done business planning, what we teach is have your business, your personal vision before you build your business vision, mm-hmm. like your business vision needs to support what you want to do personally. And, and what happens often right. is it's the other way around. We've got this business vision and then it, it takes up everything. It takes up all my time. And in the process, you build this business and you lose your family yeah. or you lose what really matters to you, or you, you lose the very thing that you're trying to build this business to, to support. Yeah. So uh, I think that that's good. That's important to have that. And, and you're kind of in a business to some degree. It kind of encourages family time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a business trip. I'm going to the zoo. It's a business trip. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You joke, you joke, but we've all, we've been on vacations for the site. So yeah, let's go back to the, uh, to the beginning of the business and hear a little bit more about it. So, uh, just for our listeners, how would you describe the, the business? What is it? Um, and, and who, who's using it? So the business itself is most easily described, I would say, as a digital media company. That's the most simple explanation. So, you know, the the concept started because I had my oldest child in 2011. And the internet was pretty prolific back then. But parenting in New Orleans was not really online, as crazy as that sounds. And so I actually would go online and search for, you know, things to do with kids or best pediatricians, things like that. And they weren't online. And around the same time, another friend just so happened to send me a lead for this idea of launching a city-based parenting website, you know, in your own hometown. So that's when I reached out to Elizabeth and I said, I know I'm working full-time and you're working full-time, but I know you like to be online too. Our oldest children are about the same age. And, um, And so we just decided to go for it. But at the time, like the amount of information for moms and dads online here in New Orleans specifically was not nearly what it is today. Um, And so to answer your question about who uses it, well, anybody who searches for that information. So Mm -hmm. the website is designed to be optimized for people that are specifically looking for what we're offering. And that's things to do in New Orleans, raising a family in New Orleans, traveling to New Orleans with kids. So we've worked really hard over the past nine years to make sure that we're a top ranked 
website when it comes to seeking that information out. And so anybody who finds us can use us. Um, primarily speaking, it tends to be moms, usually at the height of parenting. So by age, they usually fall in the 29 to 45 uh, years of age range. Um, and that's not necessarily on purpose. That just ends up you know, being our core demographic and who consumes our content. Yeah, that's when you're um, like, what? Where are the good snowballs in New Orleans? Let me Google mm -hmm. that and find it. Exactly. On New Orleans mom. The other, yeah, and the other thing I would say too, and we've actually, it's been interesting to have this business because it's grown up with our children for one. <laughs> so it's evolved as our children have gotten older, um, and we get a lot of questions about, you know, there's not a lot of content for older kids or older moms. And to an extent that's true, we do cover that. But what we have found, and I think it's true in my own parenting journey is that as your children get older, they become more opinionated. And so their decisions about what they're doing, whether it's for summer camp or um, mm -hmm. extracurriculars, Wait. the conversation becomes driven for better or worse by what their friends are doing or what they're interested in. And so mm -hmm. it makes sense that the height of online parenting usage would be in younger or newer parents when they're trying to figure it all out, they're speaking for their children more often than not, they're making those decisions. Um, but I know now, like with my 10 year old son, for the most part, within reason, some of it's up to him. You know, if he's really interested in soccer or lacrosse or whatever it is, he's gonna wanna go to a camp for that with his team yeah. or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not sitting here scratching my head thinking like, well, what do I do with him? Um, cause he kind of has an idea if that makes sense. So the usage drops off a little bit as people's kids get older. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's natural. They start getting bossed by their kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, that being said, there's a lot well, of very important content and topics and conversations that need to happen at that age also. Yeah. Um, and so we touch on those too, but just from a user standpoint, um, that's not as frequent as what we first described. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's interesting to think about the use of your site developmentally with your kids and how, uh, the development of children Im impacts the development of parents, parenting and, and the, the content that they're looking for, all of that changes. I can remember when my oldest son started getting to that age of driving and then we had to look for like driving schools in New Orleans, you know, and, and like uh -huh. any kind of school in New Orleans, it's a mystery. And so we had to, <laughs> we had to search that out and figure that out and figure that process out. And, um, yeah, we Googled around, but we don't, we don't Google around these days for like what to do on a Thursday night with a teenager. They, they kind of dictate <laughs> what they, they know what they want to do on a Thursday night. Right. But, uh, driving schools, we had to, we had to search that up. Um, how is the how is the the business going today and how did you guys go from it being it sounded like initially it was a part-time or side hustle and but it it's become your your full-time gig um, how, so how's it going today and how did the transition happen between part-time to full-time well when we first launched i think we had eight writers maybe and then the two of us and then we, so it was easier to just, so we split up the right, the editing duties. We, um, we had a handful of advertisers. Um, and then as we grew, we started throwing events, in-person events. And so that became super popular. And again, this was all pre-COVID times. And so at, from that, it, we have evolved into, now we have 45 writers. We used to throw huge events. Our events like tripled in size from when we first started. I remember our very first Easter egg hunt, we basically threw 2000 eggs into a field and we're like, Hey, have fun. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> um, we did in 2016 purchase another site in Baton Rouge. And so that was when for me personally, I was like, okay, well, some, I can't do a full-time job and manage two sites. Um, so it just became a matter of the accounting and me crunching numbers and seeing what I could do. And this is what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And I was able to make that work with 
our finances. So I was like, well, you know what? I think that this is, it's time to move, switch gears and focus on this. I felt like it was more, more where I needed to be at that time in my life. Yeah. The, the, um, the financial planner in me right now is just, just so happy to hear you stopped and you crunched the numbers and you made the numbers work. And I love that intentionality and that purpose in, in your planning. So listeners take note. And the family, the family therapist in me was like, I love how you um, prioritized your, your life and what you wanted out of life and made a decision that was right for your family. And that, that sounded great. It sounded so healthy. Just value driven decision. I love it. I love it. So what are these, like, so you said Easter egg hunt. Every time we have an Easter egg hunt at my house, we, we find eggs for like the following like three or four months. And like you, you find the eggs that are faded in color. They never find them all. Mm, I think we, they're good. We find them. They're good so, three years later. Mm. I guess it's a good idea just to throw in the field. It's a lot easier to find. But what other type of events, like, um, you, you know, uh, what other type of events do y'all throw? Or did y'all throw or plan on throwing again? Yeah, so... Elizabeth mentioned the first event we ever did was an egg hunt. And interestingly, that was driven by demand. So one of the interesting things that we tell our clients all the time is, look, we are the consumer. We are the target market mm -hmm. and we own the site. So in a way, we are constantly a built-in focus group for our partners. And we have a pretty good pulse on what will do well, what may not do well, what moms are looking for. And so we looked around the city and the only egg hunts that existed um, were very, very, very large events that didn't have much to them. And a lot of times moms with babies or toddlers are hesitant to take their small children to these jam-packed, perhaps not well-run events that feel kind of like um, you're just a number and there's not much attention to it and, um, you know, they're not as intimate in nature. So that's where the idea came from. And so we did that for the egg hunt. It was successful. And then we decided that moms needed something just for themselves. So for our first birthday, we did a mom's night out at the old Children's Museum mm -hmm. on Julia Street. Oh. And yeah, which was actually a really cool event venue um, at night. And then... From there, we added some smaller events for expectant moms. So if they were pregnant or expecting a child through other ways, we made an event completely centered around that stage of life called Bloom and got other businesses that were resources for um, pregnancy and beyond involved. And then most recently, we had a really good partnership with Lakeside Shopping Center and we do an indoor Halloween trick-or-treating event in October. Oh, cool. So unfortunately, that did not happen last year. Um, mm. We shall see if that can happen in the fall. But that, again, was born out of this idea that there was not, you know, in our eyes, a really fabulous indoor, high-quality, costume-themed event for kids. Um, and so most of our ideas that we've had have come out of what we would want as moms. And we try to build everything at the event based on the things that we've always looked for as moms, you know, easy parking, strollers can fit. If they can't fit, mm -hmm. telling people ahead of time. I mean, so much of it is communication, right? Um, and what people expect out of an event. And yeah. for better or worse, in our mind, <laughs> a lot of events don't always do that well. And so we always try to fix the things that we've perceived as problems with stuff that we've attended as, as moms in any city, um, you know, before we go to market with something. The things that moms think about, right? That's probably the reason some of them fail is because they're not planned by moms. <laughs> we think so. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like, We're like does the stroller who designed fit? this event? Does the yeah, stroller like, fit? I mean, I wouldn't... Or like, can I change a baby's diaper? Like, I mean, this yep. is a really basic thing that if you're having an event with young moms, their kids are wearing diapers. Yeah. So, but you would be shocked at how many events and venues and businesses do not accommodate for those things. And moms remember. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> just, just, just yeah. bathrooms in general can be really hit or miss mm -hmm. in new Orleans. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was reflecting on the other day about being at a park 
and there were lots of kids there, but there's no bathroom. There's no bathroom at the park. And so yeah. where there are these there's no running the water or no toilet paper? <laughs> yeah. Right. The, the places that we frequent are the places that are accommodating, you know, especially when our kids were young, they were accommodating to a breastfeeding mom. They were accommodating. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Disney World. They're accommodating to food allergies. One of our mm-hmm. uh, children has a severe food allergy. So those are the places that we go to. And and I'm married to a mom. And you're right, moms remember. Mm-hmm. Moms remember. Parking. The park, other I thing, the yeah. The other thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, parking, and then even down to the little details, which I think is what our events became known for. Um, and we don't get everything perfect. You know, we're human, and um, we've learned along the way, but. Even small stuff like the length of lines and, you know, figuring out, and this is probably our corporate background, but figuring out, okay, exactly how many stations of water do you need to make sure that if Mm -hmm. everybody was getting water at the same time, there's not a massive line. Um, The check-in process. And we always felt from the beginning too that the last thing a mom or a dad, this is actually probably more of a dad thing, <laughs> wants is to be constantly harassed for, I need money for cotton candy. I want the icy. I want the ice cream. I want face painting. It's really frustrating and adds up. So our events were always all inclusive. So you bought your ticket and then mm-hmm. anything inside the event, it was included. So if your kid yeah. wants to wait in line and get their I face painted, it. um, it's not going to cost you any more. And I bet you didn't hold your events during typical nap times or bedtimes. You would be right. (laughs) We always did the morning um, for our Easter egg hunt and the Halloween event. They usually started at nine or 10 for that reason. So I'm, I'm interested. So, you know, at first I thought, oh, New Orleans mom blog, it just kind of highlights things to do in the city for your kids. So we we talked about that, which is part of it. We talked about y'all creating events for kids and moms to do. But Elizabeth, you shared an article, a blog that you wrote that kind of was outside of those two things. It was more like advocacy for your kid and advocacy for, for you as a mom. And it was a story about uh, your daughter who um, was, was premature. And, I, and I, I read it and I read it through the lens of, wow, this is, this is cool. Here, Elizabeth is, is encouraging and supporting moms, particularly moms who are struggling with something very difficult who that can be a really lonely thing um, where there's, you know, uh, uh, putting a lot of maybe blame or carrying a lot on your shoulders and you're here advocating. Tell us a little bit about that story and about that blog. I think it's, it's, I think it's, um, I think it's beautiful. So yes, my daughter was born 12 weeks early. Um, I was on bed rest at the hospital um, for three weeks prior to her being born. And so then she ended up in the NICU for 60 days. And like Ashley had mentioned at that time, I was able to Google and find out stories and connect with other moms who had been in that same experience, same situation, but it wasn't as widespread as it is now. And so um, I was able to, you know, speak to certain people, especially it was a former coworker of mine who really kind of helped me through it because his son had been premature and in the NICU. And he was like, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask the nurses to repeat themselves or to, you know, explain it in layman terms so that you understand you're very overwhelmed having just had a baby anyway, much less one who's pre- a preemie and in the hospital and you can't go home with her. And so when we wrote that, when that post, um, the, I think it's November is premature aware, prematurity awareness day. Um, I was like, well, I want to be able to help other parents. Like if anything, I'm someone who believes that everything happens for a reason. And if something, if I can help someone else out of the situation that I experienced, then then it was all worth it. So, um, so I wrote the post about, you know, just reflecting back on the time in the NICU and things that helped us make, you know, celebrating the small wins, um, you know, maybe even just going down one notch on oxygen or, you know, gaining one ounce because in the NICU, every, every half an ounce matters. Um, Mm. And a lot of our posts are that way. Um, We always, you know, we want to make sure that all moms have a resource that they can go to. In, in our area, whether it's something New Orleans specific, or um, we actually, one of our writers has um, started an organization for preemies and supporting preemie parents. And so we have a lot of posts out there for that, um, you know, nursing, breastfeeding, even all types of um, childhood cancer awareness, we have posts for that. So I think part of it, um, like you said, not just finding things to do in and around the city, but also finding 
stories and local moms who have experienced the same thing to help you feel that you're not on this journey alone. And, and like yeah. you said, to advocate for yourself and your kids and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like that's one of the ways if we can help others, you know, navigate through those challenges, then, then that's what we're here for. Yeah. We can accomplish so much more in community. Absolutely. What is it, Matt? What do you, Matt, what do you say? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with someone else. Is that what you say? Yeah. Hold a hand, go together. Yeah. Go together. If you want to go, if you want to go far, go together. I didn't make that up. That's an old, 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 (laughs) I was giving you credit. uh, Old ancient, uh, African proverb that I I love. Uh, But it, Elizabeth, it sounds like you're aware that um, this company that you all have built um, resonates with moms, not just because it points out like the the top five snowball stands in New Orleans or something like that, but that it it really does capture some of the messiness of parenting, that that parenting is, is really hard at times and um, fraught with difficulty and uncertainty, which is totally anxiety provoking and freaks us all out. Um, you know, I, I tell parents all the time, Elizabeth, the only guy I have to get it right about 55% of the time, that's it. <laughs> uh, but that other 45% is still really scary. And, and we question ourselves a lot and we doubt our parenting a lot. So it sounds like you, you guys are aware of that and have tapped into that other moms are probably searching for that content and, and reading content about the messiness of parenting. So can you talk a little bit about how you, how you knew or maybe how you discovered to include that content as part of the, the site also? Well, I think that when we had our team of writers, um, we haven't always encouraged them to share their heart, share what you feel comfortable with. Um, and so some of them really wanted to share, you know, those raw stories, maybe postpartum depression and anxiety or pregnancy loss or, you know, things that aren't necessarily talked about that often, but should be talked more about. Um, and so we've kind of, we've encouraged them because we, we've been there. We've all been in the trenches and, you know, surviving on lack of sleep and just questioning whether or not we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and making the right choices. And so being a, being a team, encouraging each other. And like you said, going, being a community together and trying, having the same goals um, and the purpose, knowing that that's what we stand for. Um, Especially now through the COVID world we're living in um, over the last year, we've published many posts about, you know, home virtual learning, homeschooling your children. Um, Are my kids going to remember this anxiety in kids and and parents? Are we doing the right thing? And, um, some of our medical partners have helped along the way with that as well, because that's what that's what moms ultimately are looking for. I think um, if they're looking for either the snowball stand, where should I go on date night next week? How, where do I find a good babysitter? And then also like, okay, is what is what's happening right now in my life normal? Am I the only mom that's feeling this way? And yeah. going to our site over the last nine years, I think you'll probably find content on pretty much every topic and realize that you're not going through it alone. Yeah, so, so you built this community of support for New Orleans moms. Um, and uh, New Orleans is a pretty diverse place. We're not, not, a, not all the moms have the same opportunities or the same uh, starting line or, or the same options. Um, New Orleans moms are certainly a diverse group as well. How have you tried to in, include diverse voices, diverse experiences, diverse backgrounds in into the creation of content for the site. I think that's exactly right, that we are a diverse city. And so as best we can represent all moms, and by Elizabeth and I speak about this a lot, but by all we mean all, um, we want to. So we have gone, even in our marketing materials, when we ask, for people to apply, we've gone out of our way to say, you know, if you are in a same-sex partnership or marriage, we want to hear from you. If you're a grandmother raising a child, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from our Black moms, our Latin moms, anybody. We want your voice, and you're welcome, and we want to include you. Um, it's It can be challenging because I think just as a baseline, a lot of humans, not just moms, are 
nervous and intimidated by the idea of sharing their voice. A lot of people think that they don't have something to say or they don't have something of value to say. But Elizabeth and I always try to remind people, like, if you are human, you have something to share. So it doesn't matter if you're a professional writer. It doesn't matter if you've ever written before formally. If you have been through something, which if you're human, you have, <laughs> um, we, we want to hear from you. And so we became pretty intentional a couple of years ago about trying to actively seek those voices out. Um, we have done a lot of one-on-one -on -one outreach to individuals that we want to hear from on our site and, and slowly building the diversity of voices that we represent. Um, it can be hard to encourage people to share just as a general statement. Um, but I think that kind of like what Elizabeth was saying with regards to NICU moms, that when a mom or a dad does choose to share their experience, it encourages other people to do the same. And so it sort of builds on itself. But I think when I think about New Orleans mom as a business and as a brand, a lot of times to me, that's the marathon part of the work. Um, you know, in order to represent diverse voices for one day on, you know, for example, there's all kinds of causal months out there that celebrate all kinds of heritages and, and ethnicities. To do that for a month or a day on social media is easy. That's the very simple, easy win mm. um, in marketing. But to try to do that every day, all day with intentionality, I think is the marathon that we're in and that we're committed to. Um, and so we're always trying to do better. And, you know, we've built some women around us that are willing to have hard conversations directly with us about what we could do better and where we could improve. And that's very helpful too. Um, and sometimes you have to put your ego aside and reach out to somebody and say, look, I know that this is not as good as it could be, but what could we do better? And just saying that out loud to somebody really, I think, has opened the door for a lot of honest conversations, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And a lot of businesses are not willing to do that, and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but but we're you know we're trying, and we want everybody that wants to share their story to share their story. And we tell people we're open twenty four seven. If you have something to share, email us, mm -hmm. and we'd love to publish it. Let's do that. So anyone, if someone has a story they want to share, they can just, and we'll put the link in the show notes. They can just email you. Mm -hmm, like, is it, mm -hmm. How do you get real quick, can Absolutely. you share with us the format? Is it just, hey, I, I want to talk about this? Or do you want them to send you the actual story? Kind of how, how do you accept? All they, have to, all they have to do is email us a quick, I think I have something I'd like to write about. And we take it from there and send them everything that they would need to know. So it takes no more than 10 seconds to get the information by emailing us. And then if they choose to move forward, they can, but we reply with you know the full specs of what we're looking for. So we're not looking for people to send us something necessarily that's published ready. We just wanna hear from people that have something that they think they wanna say, and then we help them from there. Elizabeth is great about helping them with editing, title suggestions, imagery. Again, I think the concept of publishing can be very intimidating to people. So we try to remove as many barriers in that process as possible, um, you know, so that people who haven't done that before or haven't blogged before can feel comfortable with it. Yeah. One thing I like what, you, what you're doing, which I think is incredibly powerful, and it sounds like you did this from, from Jumpstart, is that you had other contributors, that you're not trying to tell people's stories for them that you're letting people tell their stories. And I think that's powerful when you talk about culture, when you talk about race, when you talk about individual experiences, like having a, a child in the NICU or having an allergic child is, is you're not trying to tell people stories. You're letting them tell uh, their story. And I think that's, um, I think that's cool. That's commendable. And it's, it's, it's hard. You're right. It, you have to be humble. So um, I congratulate y'all on that for kind of putting your ego aside and, um, and doing that. Let's, well, and it's let's, interesting that you, oh, I was no, just going to add no, no. one other quick thought because yeah, I think ahead. it's relevant to the conversation, but um, just as, as far as our business goes, but it's interesting because there are a lot of individual influencers out there these days, right? So these are people who represent themselves and only themselves all day. 
And when Elizabeth and I started New Orleans Mom, we both, I think, are the very opposite of that. We don't necessarily like to be in the spotlight. <laughs> and a lot of times people meet me and they have no idea what I do. And then they figure it out and they're like, oh, you're the New Orleans mom lady. <laughs> like, yep, that's me. But the point is, I don't think Elizabeth and I are comfortable being in the spotlight, but we've built this platform that hopefully can help other women amplify their voices. But it's a very delicate balance and tension of, yes, this is our business and our brand, but we're lending it to people all day long, every day, and we want them to use it. But sometimes we have to make really tough decisions just in general as business owners. Um, and that's not about anything specific. That's just a very general statement. But I don't think either one of us ever wanted to market ourselves. We wanted to market the city, the amazing city that we live in. We wanted to give parents here a place to have their voices heard, to find the other mom locally that's going through something similar. Um, but I don't. I don't think that either one of us ever wanted to be like the voices. <laughs> and so we want to give the microphone over, but as the business owners, we're often the ones that get asked the hard questions. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an interesting industry to be in um, for that, for that reason. Well, let's talk about New Orleans. So I've born and raised, I've lived outside of New Orleans for one year and during that year, I drove six of those six of the months. I drove back to New Orleans to work. Um, so I, I, I love the, I have a love hate relationship with the city. We, we were kind of talking off air about that. Um, but born and raised, love this place. What are three things, or two, or one, whatever that I can do with my kids that might not be obvious? So not the zoo. Is, it, is this like a hidden hidden gem kind of thing? Yeah, like like tell me what what, what don't oh. I know? What do I need to know? Come on. I got a seven-year-old, seven, -year -old, seven okay. and a... Do you want to know... seven-year-old. Do you want to know a really funny story on this topic? And it is something that you can do because we basically broke the internet and a sunflower farm last summer. That's, yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah. we published, and this is going to answer your question, I promise. I'm not avoiding the question. No, no, but no, we no, published, <laughs> We published a series of pieces from time to time that are worth the drive. So during COVID, when things started to open back up early summer, like June of last year, we found some cool gems. And as we would find them, because everybody was going stir crazy, if they were socially distant and fun, we would write about them and share them. So one of them was White Sands Lake on the beach um, in, on the North Shore. That's an awesome spot. There is another. Still, I still can't. I still, can't I still can't comprehend that. Like when I think of White Sands, like I know I know the I know. place you're talking about. I've never been, but like it just doesn't. So doesn't you should compute. go. Put that on your list. <laughs> um, there's another really cool hiking trail in Mississippi that kind of looks like the Grand Canyon mm -hmm. that somebody wrote about. But one writer took her kids on an adventure to pick sunflowers and blueberries. And these sunflowers were spectacular and the images were spectacular. And the post had, you know, these gorgeous pictures of her children frolicking in the sunflower field and everybody wanted to go get sunflowers. So I'm not kidding you that the post went viral. The sunflower farm for the first time in history basically sold out of sunflowers in a weekend and posted on their social media. We don't know where all of these people are coming from. Like we've never been picked over like this before. We're sorry, the season is closed. And sure enough, basically we went and looked and we had sent them some, I mean, I don't even know how many clicks, thousands of clicks from New Orleans mom to Sunflower Farm in Mississippi. And I think to answer your question, Eric, that's one cool thing you could do. And now probably they're gonna get picked out again, but- Okay, well, give me something else because that's obviously, yeah. they're, they're sold out. But it's, yeah, well, we can give you some other ideas, but the point is just like, that's kind of the magic of how our site works, right? Like right time right place moms are bored looking for something to do it's yeah. a sunflower so, sunflower so sign up, up. You should do sign that. up for the newsletter because yes. it's like it's like exactly. the sale when the sale goes off you, you better act quick i do like, think um oh i was just gonna say there's so much obvious stuff to do in the city that gets marketed all the time i think that's why my brain always goes to like what can you do that's 45 minutes away and still a day trip hmm. and that would be novel to your kids too um, I don't know, Elizabeth, what else? Let's well, go back to that Grand Canyon thing. What, 
Oh. Yeah, Matt, Matt grew up in the West, and I think he's, you know, this, this was yes. a visual show. You could see his face. He's like, well, y'all are crazy. There's Grand a Grand Canyon, Canyon Mississippi. In, in Mississippi. <laughs> Let me see what it is. Is it Tunica Falls? No. no. We've written about that, too. That was, yeah. Um, it's, it is a formation of red rocks that I believe a river has created over time. And it is actually on somebody's private property. However, he is fine with people hiking it as long as you don't leave trash. And so one of our writers did a piece about how to get there, what she recommends bringing. Um, in other words, it's not a state park or anything like that. It's actually on land that a gentleman owns. Um, I don't think it's nearly as impressive as the Grand Canyon, but it's pretty cool. Well, you have to email me that link and we're going to put it in the show yeah. notes. I'm going I'm to go check this check out. Check it out. I got to check this place out. Uh, Ashley, you wrote, you wrote a fun, a fun blog that I read about 10 things to do to, I don't know, was it to break the boredom or something, boredom busters or something. And the first one was blowing bubbles. Oh, yeah. I just have such fun memories as a kid <laughs> blow at the New Orleans, um, children's museum mm-hmm. and that one exhibit oh, yeah. right, right by yeah. the window oh, and you can, yeah. you can do the bubbles like in the hula hoop and you're like inside of a bubble. What are, what give us some, they some boredom busters. They, yeah. The new one has that too. Yeah. Yeah, so that piece was actually born out of myself sitting in our backyard during the pandemic. And I was thinking to myself, what else can I do to help these children get entertained? And I tried to support local shops whenever I could during the pandemic for a lot of reasons. Um, But a lot of the ideas I also linked to Amazon because I think a lot of what we do is try to, I think I said this earlier, make life easier for moms and, and dads too, of course. But at that point in time, last spring, people were like, oh my goodness, we're home. And the weather was gorgeous, but I need other ideas of things to do. And one of the things I think Elizabeth and I have realized over time is that just because something is obvious or intuitive to you does not mean that is the case for other people. So to me, I'm like, oh, the bubble guns. So they make those cool electric bubble guns. Um, You can fill them with bubble solution and the kids can run around and play with them and it's fun um but i posted about those and so many people were like wow i've never seen these thank you so much and i mean you would have thought that i'd handed them a pot of gold but it's it's like you put it in front of them and they're like oh wow that is a cool idea thank you and i think that's again um you know that's obviously a trivial topic but to connect it to what elizabeth was saying about creating a community for people that are looking when people are looking for something and you're the one that puts it in front of them. There's a lot of value in that. Yeah. I would say you say trivial, but you know, I think all, all of those things are experiences. You know, one of the things I talk mm-hmm. about is if you're going to spend money. Don't, don't spend money on stuff, spend money on experiences, uh, build memories, spend money on memories. And Matt's always talking about connection and connecting and like who doesn't love building a crazy fort in their house. Yeah. Uh, fort building was uh huge in our house during COVID and, and bubbles, (laughs) bubbles are timeless. I was at the park the other day and saw somebody blowing bubbles Uh and kids were flocking to the bubbles. They're just, they're just timeless. They're fun. They're fun. fun. There was a time during the pandemic where I was like, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy super soakers. Just going to buy a bunch of super soakers. Like you can't find them. Like all the water guns these days are just, they break. I couldn't find a super soaker and online they're crazy expensive. I know. Well, it's one of the things that I think COVID surfaced is that some, some of us, many of us had kind of forgotten how to have old fashioned fun, Mm -hmm. you know? So all of a sudden you're sitting around in your backyard and I'm like, Oh my gosh, chalk is so fun. Where has this been all my life? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like it's the simplest idea, but I think that's why that boredom busters post that you referenced Eric did well, because, we live in such busy technological times that a lot of kids are, and I, I, my mm-hmm. children too, I'm not judging are attached to their iPads and the concept of a board game is foreign to them. So mm-hmm. you have to be really intentional about putting those things in your home. Um, you know, if you want your yeah. kids to, to be exposed. Matt and I are doing a, a series right now and it's called simple. And what we're doing is we're just highlighting just very tactical things that you can do to, to make emotional um, deposits into your, your emotional bank account for you and, and, and for other people. And, and that's why I, I read that blog. I'm like, it's so simple, right? Chalk, mm-hmm. blow bubbles, 
um, build a fort. If, if I have sidewalk chalk and I go out on the sidewalk and I make a line in, on the sidewalk and then I go down about 50 meters and make another line, it, kids will start racing down mm-hmm. the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. that's, that's what it, you know, just something simple like that. Neighborhood kids will start to gather and they'll pretty soon they'll be races. But it wouldn't happen if, if somebody didn't walk outside with some chalk. Mm-hmm. Just so, a little bit of order and organization as parents can really help our kids bust the boredom. Yeah. So that yeah. blog is not trivial. I think it's, I think it's not uh, trivial. <laughs> I think it's, you integral. know, it's connective. I, yeah. It is. No, it is. It is. I'm selling myself short, I guess, but you know, um, it's just funny. All of this stuff that COVID surfaced for, Parents, working moms, all of us. Just to change topics here, as we start to wrap up, I want to uh, go to one more, one more piece and um, that, that I think is so helpful for so many of our listeners. And that is this, this idea about finding balance in your life and finding balance in your, your work and non-work life. Um, you guys do a lot. It sounds like, you know, you're triple threats, your business owners and life bosses and creative humans and all of that stuff. Um, you know, most of us can't have it all. We can't have it all, all the time. We can't do it all, all the time. Uh, we, most of us don't wear all of our hats successfully simultaneously. Um, so, so how have you all as, as moms and, and women and uh, spouses and business owners found a way to manage the, and balance all those demands for your time? What do you want to leave our listeners with when it comes to finding the sweet spot in, in the work-life balance? Hmm. I think that changes by season. And so yeah. when depending on the season that you're in, finding what is most important to you at that time and making that a priority. Um, Like you had mentioned, you can't do everything. You can't give everything 100% all the time. It's just not, it's not humanly possible, at least not for most The the accounting doesn't add up. No, no, (laughs) no. And so (laughs) if, if at this season, you know, your priority is um, I want to make sure that I do A, B, and C, and that's going to get the most, that's going to get all my effort. It's okay if, if D takes a backseat right now, but um, I think it's different for everybody. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's still hard on a daily basis to find that balance, but I think um, putting those boundaries in place would be my number one tip, I guess you could say, like, if I'm, I'm going to make a hard stop and, you know, shut my computer or put my phone down at eight o'clock and I'm going to take that your seven o'clock, whatever time your kid's bedtime is. And I'm going to make sure I'm there for that 100% present. Um, but I think that finding, finding what's the priority in your life at that time is what's going to help drive that balance. So Elizabeth, I'm curious, you, you it seems like you're taking a, like a, a mental accounting of like everything that's important and I'm putting more effort here and less effort there. Do you have a process, like a review process or, or like a process where you stop and you reflect and kind of catch up like, hey, what am I neglecting? What needs more of me right now? Is that something that you do on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis? Uh, I don't think I don't have like a set day or month that I do it. Usually when I get super overwhelmed, when I feel like everything is coming at one time, I'm like, OK, yeah. let's back up. I can let's I'll either start at the top of the stack or let, let me just do a brain dump, write it all down and figure out what is most important. Um, a couple of years ago, I think two or three years ago at one of our retreats, we had our writers read the book, The One Thing. And that has been very, very helpful in my life. And we do it with our team where we focus on that one thing for that day. And of course, you're going to do more than just that one thing. But I think that reading that and applying some of those concepts to my life, personal and business, that it's helped. Um, but usually it's it's when things just kind of all get piled on top of each other. And I'm like, okay, it's time to reassess where things are and how, what's going to take priority for now. What about you, Ashley? So I always tell people that are thinking about starting a small business in particular, (laughs) that it is not always as easy or glamorous as it seems. So I think what Elizabeth said about 
being in a season is one of the more important things that any working parent can remember. So if you were starting a business in the beginning, we were up until midnight and one in the morning all the time. And that was normal. You can't sustain that forever. But I think knowing that that will pass also helps push through some of those more overwhelming seasons. And so now that we're nine years in, I think it's very different in terms of talking about balance. And so another point I like to share with people is always consider who you're getting that advice from, because where I am nine years Mm. in is not going to be what your day one to 60 feels like at all. So don't use me or what you see me doing as a measuring stick, like I busted my butt for a lot of years at one in the morning in order to be able to power off at eight o'clock at night. So I think a lot of times people get hung up on, well, how do you, you know, how do you, Ashley, or how do you in general, the general you do it? And it's like, well, focus on you and what works for you. And, you know, boundaries are very, very important. And for me personally, all along, I've just had my list of non-negotiables. So whatever those are for you, they're okay. And they're yours. They're not anybody else's. So examples for me are, I like to exercise first thing in the morning. That ideally is a non-negotiable. I like to be able to attend my kids' sporting events as best as possible. That's a non-negotiable. And I put those things on the calendar and I treat them like they're sacred client meetings and I don't schedule over them. So that sounds simple, but it's a very small thing that if you make it a habit, you become less bitter and resentful. Um, You know, and I often think self-reflection is key too. If I'm at the computer and I'm irritated and resentful of Elizabeth because we are working at five o'clock and my son is at a baseball game and I'm not there, I think a moment of, well, whose fault is this? Could I have said, Elizabeth, I'm not available right now? Probably, you know. Um, but those are all things that you find fine tune over time to to find out, you know, when I'm feeling resentment or anger creeping in about my work situation, is it something I could control or not? Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no. And then knowing the difference and if you can sort of course adjust to get rid of that has been very helpful for me. There's if that th- if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Two things there that I want to signpost real quick that you and, and y'all listen up. I think that's super important. Number one is you said non-negotiables. You laid your values out first. So now you have something when you make your decisions, you can measure, hey, is this decision consistent with my values? Is this consistent with my non-negotiable? We do that in financial planning. Good financial planning starts with understanding what are you planning for? What's your value? So I love that value. And the next thing you said was, you're not me. I'm nine years in. Don't compare yourself to me. As I tell people all the time, you can't accumulate in five years what it took someone 20 years to work for. Is that you're in a different stage and you have to look at what do you have to do in that stage? So those two things, those things are, are that's that's worth the hour if you've listened to this episode. <laughs> Eric, I'll add one. I think, um, you know, the thing Elizabeth said, I find so helpful in my own life and my clinical work is remember it's seasonal and and so take life in chunks four to six month chunks oftentimes of like what am i doing what have i been doing the past six months that that's no longer working um let me sit down with myself or with my partner and have a planning meeting about what's the next six what you know what shift or adjustment do we need to make in the next six months it seems like when you have smaller kids maybe those chunks are even smaller hours a month (laughs) you know, a week, a month, um, a summer, and it kind of broadens after that. But, um, even, you know, even as your kids get older, every semester can be different and need some adjustments. And, And so just every, you know, every four to six months really think about life coming in seasons and that it can be different. You, you can do it differently. I love that. That's good. That's good. Ashley, Elizabeth, any closing thoughts that you want to leave us with? Mm. I guess I should I should address one of you at a time. <laughs> they're, they're, Ashley. they're saying no. <laughs> Ashley, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with? That's a lot. That's a lot of pressure, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think it's something that we've been talking about a lot, just in general, to wrap everything up, including why we started the business in the first place, is that 
you know, for anybody who's listening, you are 100% not the only person feeling whatever you're feeling. So, you know, that's the core of our business, really. And I think the core of parenting, and oftentimes we all live on islands where we think we're the only person that feels a certain way or is struggling with something. But definitively, if I know anything is true, it is that you are not alone in your feelings or struggles and that, um, you know, hopefully finding somebody else to connect with you on that specific issue can be can be really helpful to knowing that you're not alone. What about you, Elizabeth? I, I like that, Ashley. That's good. That's what I was going to say something along, like you're not alone in this parenting journey and just know that it it gets better and there are seasons. Some seasons are better than others and it just don't right. give up. Some seasons of parenting are better than others and, and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's okay to admit that, that sometimes it, it kind of sucks and it's hard and it usually gets better. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all lived up, y'all lived up to the uh, title life bosses. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Tell our kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go add my, that they, to my they, bio. They won't, they won't believe us until they're 26. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. When does that happen? Y'all need to cover that yeah. on the next podcast. It's, when it's do the, your kids the, realize? Yeah, it's the yeah. late. They start thinking about it in their like mid 20s, but it really sinks in in the later 20s. Mm. That, that part okay. of the brain where you can recognize your parent as a life boss doesn't fully develop until like later 20s. I saw a cup yesterday that <laughs> right. said, um, I'm the mom, so just go ahead and assume that I'm right. And I was like, "That is, I love that. <laughs> so is your, is your, is your blog going to evolve to, to deal with some of these issues as your kids get older? You know, <laughs> Elizabeth and I have joked that one day we will be running the grandmother <laughs> blog from the nursing home. <laughs> We're gonna have y'all back on. We're gonna have y'all okay. back on when, when, you're, when you're doing that. This was this was great. I had a a blast just chatting with y'all, meeting y'all for the first time. Um, yes. As I Thank opened you. with, kind of in a, in, the, in the green room, I said y'all do a terrible job marketing to dad. So I mean, um, I was familiar with Neuron's Bomb, but really didn't know all that y'all are about. So, um, but you're marketing to your to your market, to your niche market, to the people who need to hear your voice, and that's awesome. And uh, I know that our listeners are going to be encouraged and blessed to hear this podcast. And hopefully they all go subscribe and follow, um, follow all your blog, your, your blog, your social media. Um, So I know I'm going to speak for Matt here, Matt. I don't know if Matt likes it when I speak for him, but um, I I appreciate what y'all do for new Orleans. I appreciate what y'all do for the moms of New Orleans because moms are the cornerstone. They're the foundation of our families, of our city. So thank y'all for for working at building us. Thank you for having us. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.